Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. Welcome back. It's Jamie D and Big Newt. You know who he is. He is Big Chris Newton. I am Jamie D'Amico, and it is our post-draft extravaganza. The most exciting weekend of the offseason just happened. And man, we got stuff to talk about. Did you enjoy this weekend, big man? I did, man. I, I got to sit down and I watched the draft on Thursday for the majority of it and Friday. And I saw very little Saturday, of course, because of kids' sports. But I kept up with it um, via phone. So, yeah, it was fun, man. It was good. And and we had some great moments of the draft that we're going to talk about because I think uh, Macho Fan ran away with it and uh, also have a run DMC called Pittsburgh's Picks in the later rounds. That was enjoyable. Yeah. It it was fun this year. And, you know, it's not as deep of a draft as we've seen in past years, namely because they're allowing players to maintain their eligibility for another season. But that doesn't reduce the anticipation uh, of of each draft pick coming in. So there's some news, though, uh, that is non-draft related that we do have to touch on. The Buffalo Bills have exercised their fifth-year option on Josh Allen and Tremaine Edmonds, something we all knew was happening, though I think that there's some people questioning the Tremaine Edmonds news. What what do you think? Did he deserve a fifth-year option exercise? And we're going to get through this uh, in the offseason when we're going to break down the salary cap and stuff. It's just it's incredible, and Brenda Bean talked about it this morning. Um, discussing extending the fifth-year options and uh, the maneuvering he had to do because both of those guys made all pro selections, mm-hmm. and so I think when he when and when you all we all know that when you make all pro and make Pro Bowls, then that means your uh, salary escalates because you're meeting bonuses. Right. So we have to allow for that, and we got to fit under the cap, which is a difficult situation for him at this point because we don't know what the salary cap is going to be once the new TV deal kicks in. So Brandon Bean is caught in between a rock and a hard place. You don't want um, to alienate a player like Edmonds, um, and we can't just assume that just because a guy plays well, he's made two Pro Bowls in his short stint with us. Um, you can't just assume that we would just pick it up. Look at the Cowboys. They did not pick up their option on uh, their linebacker, and that's why mm-hmm. they drafted one in the first round, which I thought was a great uh, selection. And also Edmonds' brother, did not get a fifth-year option um, picked up. So we can't just assume that. So Brandon Bean, anyway, long story short, Brandon Bean, $23 million to Josh Allen, almost $13 million for admins. Um, We just got to figure out how we're going to make the money work. I do think Josh Allen will get extended this summer. I think the deal is going to get done. Yeah, and it's going to nearly double that. I'm sure he's going to be making over $40 million. I think so, too. Um, but I know a lot of trepidation with Edmonds to answer your question. I really thought once we extended Milano, I thought that that was going to be it for uh, Edmonds. 
Yep. Because now you got so much money tied up. You got $35 million tied up in two middle linebackers. And we we discussed this the whole year. This is the problem of being good. And this is the uncharted waters for us Buffalo Bills fans and for Bills Mafia. We're going to eventually have to let good people go. All right. Yep. And we're going to, once again, talk about this more. But um, at some point, Jerry Hughes might be walking out the door. Okay. Because we just can't afford to keep everybody. All right. Mm-hmm. So do I think he deserves it? Yeah, because he's a two time pro bowler and all pro. But I mean, once you start paying people, you're robbing Peter to pay Paul, as old folks say. And um, look, once again, comparing it to New Orleans Saints, look what they're going through. Now they got to pay it. And now their roster is going to suffer a little bit, letting good talent walk out the door. Absolutely. And it, the onus now falls on the front office to try to make it work. And speaking of the front office, there's some news there, too, because the Bills director of player personnel, Dan Morgan, the former linebacker who is a pro bowler himself for the uh, Carolina Panthers, is interviewing for the general manager position with the Carolina Panthers. And frankly, I'm surprised it has taken this long for Brandon Bean's staff to begin getting poached because they are renowned around the league as being one of the smartest groups that there is. And Dan Morgan is really the the talent evaluator of that staff. And this is, like you were saying, this is one of the downsides of success. Not only do you have to deal with your salary cap situation, but you also lose good people and not just players, but coaching staff, front office. And this is why you need to have a deep bench both regarding players and everybody in your organization. Frankly, I can't see any way Dan Morgan doesn't get this job. He's just so highly regarded. Also, when you see that guy on draft day wearing a suit, he looks like he could shred it off of him like the Incredible Hulk and hop on a football field. He is so ripped. Yeah, man, and you see a lot of the players, man, I tell you, they they uh, stay in shape and a lot of the linemen, um, that got up there during the draft, man. I'm like, man, who's that guy? Did you see uh, Golick get up there and announce the Cleveland Browns pick, I think? No. Yeah, man. I mean, he looks like he lost so much weight, dude. Because he was like, a fatty. Yeah. And then so um, these guys lose weight. And then uh, linebackers, they stay in shape by hitting the weights. They still look good, man, I tell you. So I'm all with you. But back on the um, – Back to the topic, though. If we lose him, I'm cool with that. Um, continuity is something that we seem to be able to have. But as long as we keep Brian Dable and Leslie Frazier uh, and uh, Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott, the head coach, I'm fine with all other transactions. I'm cool with it. I wish them all, uh, Dan Morgan, all the best of luck. Yeah, I mean, it would be it would be a good step up. Uh, for him. And, you know, the downside is he would probably take some front office members with him, which means that, you know, the Bills would need to backfill that. Though I'm sure there are enough former executives from the Carolina Panthers for them to hire. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Anyway, we had the draft. Let's talk about that for a minute. The draft began with a player that I considered to be untouchable. I thought he was incredibly overrated. I said to myself, there's one defensive end I don't want on the team is Gregory Russo. 
And who did they select? Gregory Russo. (laughs) (laughs) They must have heard you, huh? Absolutely. So when I look at this guy, I look at somebody who isn't that athletic. Okay, he's got long line speed, but he's so slow off the blocks. It is just his short area quickness is not there. He's really tall. He is underdeveloped because he really only has one season ever playing defensive end. I he's he's got so much work to do to be a contributor. And frankly, I feel like the Bills' window for winning is right now, and. I wanted them to get an immediate contributor. He's going to be a project. They've pretty much all said that he's going to be a project. But three years ago, the Buffalo Bills drafted in the first round a young man named Josh Allen. (laughs) And do you remember when we were sitting there watching that draft together? Our reaction? (laughs) I remember it like the birth of my children the day I got married. I'll never forget it. And when they said Josh, I was like, because you remember, I, and I, I totally admit this, that I wanted Josh Rosen. So that shows what I know. But when they said well, Josh, me too. I said, I said, they said Josh. I'm like, yeah, Allen, no. And then you just heard a <laughs> hush over the crowd. I'm not going to lie. I will be the face of that. Uh, but, yeah, we all wanted Josh Rosen. We went Josh Allen. And three years later, we're all eating crow. I have no problem admitting that. Yeah. So – What it comes down to is, I don't know Jack, and we talked about this before, the Dunning-Kruger effect, where when you know a little bit about a subject, you think you know more than at any point later as you begin to learn more about whatever that topic is. So I knew that I was going to get really dogmatic about a subject matter that I don't know much about because I'm not a, a college football guru. It's just sort of opinions that I pulled together and some of the video clips that I saw. Like, for example, since Rousseau was drafted, I went back and I watched tape of all of his 15 and a half sacks. And really, only half of them did he actually beat his man. And a lot of those, he was lined up on the interior. So not even at defensive end, which is what the Bills drafted him to play. Uh, the rest of them were like coverage sacks, team sacks, or he was just unblocked. So I'm like, ah, this guy. Eh. But then Josh Allen becomes number two in the MVP voting. And the day after he was selected, I was livid because I thought they took the wrong Josh. Hmm. Yeah, smart. So that leads us to a bigger question. We were talking about the front office. With the success that the Buffalo Bills have had, do you feel like Brandon Bean deserves the benefit of the doubt? I do because I see his vision. And we talked about this on our podcast a couple of weeks ago. The vision is we're trying to – this draft was never going to be sexy for this year unless we picked a corner in the first round, right? Mm-hmm. Um, even if we would have went with uh, – Oway from Penn State or Tyron from Washington, the guys who subsequently went the uh, next two picks after uh, Russo, right? And so that's how I'm going to be looking at this draft. I text you right then. When, once we pat, uh, we made the pick and then uh, Baltimore and Tampa Bay made their picks, that's who I'm going to be comparing his success to, the two guys, the two edge rushers after him, because we could have picked those guys up. 
But yes, to answer your question, I do believe in Bean and what he's done because one, he got Stefan Diggs. And I don't know that you saw them uh, finally joking on Twitter that that trade is now over the debt is paid. And mm-hmm. to revisit that, Stefan Diggs and Dane jo- uh, Jackson, okay, basically is Justin Jefferson, Kenny Wilkes, Cameron Bynum, Janoris Robinson, and Zach Davison off the seven and nine Minnesota Vikings. Now, those five guys might turn out to be wonderful players, and Justin Jefferson sure. is already a wonderful, broke yeah. many rookie records. They might be wonderful players, but as of right now, we won that deal hands down. Why? Because we have an all-pro number one receiver in Stephon Diggs, who was arguably the best receiver in the league this past year, who led us to a 13-3 record, while once again the Vikings was 7-9. and nine. So when you talk about what he's done, not only has he given us a, a franchise, not only a franchise quarterback, but an all-pro, a young all-pro quarterback, okay? Then he drafted a two-time in three years, and the kid is like 20 years old, um, Tremaine Edmonds, two-time pro bowler, and he mm-hmm. got his digs. So, yeah, you could talk about the running back situation. You could talk about, oh, we can't solidify the number two corner. I'll take that. I'm believing in being in his vision and what he's doing so far. So going to the first-round pick, Greg Russo, as you said, 6'7", 266, he runs a 4'6", 40. All right, he sat out all of last year because of COVID. All right, so the kid is mature. He had to help his family. His his mom is a uh, first responder, so he sat out the season because of that. Has maturity, right? <clears throat> Excuse me. The kid is still growing into his body. The kid hasn't played mm-hmm. defensive end more than two seasons. He played safety in high school. All right, so he's still growing into his body. All he also right? played uh, wide receiver in high school. Yeah, so we know that he's at, he's a great athlete. All right. In 2019, he had 20 tackles for a loss and almost 16 sacks. Now, I know that all the draft pundits are going to say that these were coverage sacks and he really didn't earn it. You don't just not you don't just sneeze on 16 sacks. I don't care That's how true. he got them. OK, <laughs> so is he a, is he a project? Yeah. But when you say project, I mean, he's a project because he's just learning the position. But this kid is ultra athletic. So I have all faith in the world that our coaching staff, I, I think that once uh, Eric Washington get his hands on him and mold and Leslie Frazier in his system, and uh, I think he, we're going to coach this guy up to be something because the mold is there. We just got to form it. So, I, you- I, I mean, I like to pick, but ultimately I'm going to be comparing to Owe and Tyrus. So if they go on to be all pros and this dude flames out, then, hey, I, I'll give you that. But as of right now, I'm looking for two, three years down the line, I can see him being a, a contributor if he if he matures into position like I think that Bean thinks he can. Well, interestingly, I didn't I didn't want to touch Owe either. Um, I just, you know, the lack of production. And the funny part about it is – the lack of production by OA and also his attitude are the things that turned me off. But with Russo, you have the exact opposite. You have a guy with an unbelievable amount of production. And if you've seen him in interviews, he has a personality on him. He is apparently beloved by his teammates, but you watch him in an interview it's like, he's the shining star that I think people just want to be around. He is utterly magnetic he's got he's got the big chris newton magnetism thing 
that, you know, when, for those of you who've never been around him, when big newt walks into a room, he ends up being friends with every single person there. It's like, he can't can walk in not knowing a, a single person. And by the end of like a football game, for example, you've got a crowd of like 10 people wanting to be his best friend. It's that's a cross because, you bear, man. That's because you always bought me free beer. That's why you buy the buckets of little bats, and I'm like, here I come. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I I have to say that I have been extremely impressed by by Russo and the way he presents himself. He just seems like a really nice, very intelligent person who um just his communication style is excellent. I, I think he's going to probably end up in broadcasting at some point. He's just, he's, he's that good verbally. Um, he seems to never be at a loss for words. He's polished. He's very polished and well-spoken coming from the university of Miami though. When they first showed him, I thought he had gold teeth. Oh, right. But then once they showed the close up, uh, the close up, those, are, <laughs> those is braces, right? Yeah, he's still got braces, yes. Yeah, so I was like, oh, my God, this dude got gold teeth. You know, University of Miami, that's what they known for. So I was like, oh, boy. But then once he sold those choppers, and I was like, oh, okay, he got braces. He just straightened his teeth out. And, yeah, because uh, he's a well kid. Spoken. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, okay, that's great, you know. Not that if he had gold teeth, that wouldn't have won him any less, but, you know, I was oh, just sure. like, oh, I thought they were gold teeth at first. I was like, oh, no, they're bracy. He's just trying to get his teeth fixed. So Yeah, good. yeah. He's trying to fix the grill, not uh, not bling it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I guess what I'm saying is I like the kid. I don't know if I like the player yet. You know, his, his combine, well, it wasn't a combine, but his pro day stuff was not very good when it came to the quickness, the uh, the cone drills and the, the shuttle and stuff like that. And do you think that a defensive lineman, specifically a defensive end, can be good if they're not quick? Yes. Yes. And and, and once again, running around – and once again, I don't, I don't know – I'm not going to say that I'm slapping the table, hey, this is a surefire pick. When sure. you're picking at number 30, that's the thing. You don't know what you're getting at number 30. Now, if this was a top five pick, a 10 pick, I would be with you. But anybody at this spot is a gamble. That means if they – if he would have had a great pro day, he wouldn't have been there at 30. He would have been right. there in the top 15. So – uh, but yes, to answer your question, can you be a good football player without having, I mean, quick feet? You can. I mean, and once again, running around coals is different than when you put on pads and playing. All right. True. Just because you had a bad pro day, and I get it. People are going to say he set out the whole season. He could have just worked out. Why didn't he, you know, be ready for it? And that's probably why he fell to 30, you know? So, yes, you can. I, I think that you can. Just because you can't run around the cones quick, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're not going to be a good player. I wouldn't well, say that. Well, you know, if, if he wasn't playing, that means he probably also didn't have access to the team facilities. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. So he probably wasn't getting the, the same supervision and coaching when he was working out than he would have otherwise. And if he didn't sign with an agent until late... Uh, that would have made a difference because agents always get their players into these gyms and these with these speed specialists and stuff like that to try to boost their draft stock. So he may not have had that advantage. Um, so you you kind of you let some of that slide. So then the Bills in the second round drafted 
another defensive end. Boogie Basham, a guy who I actually like better as a college player than I did Greg Russo. But here we're going back to the question before. Do we trust Bean? Two defensive ends in a row. And when it comes to roster construction, you have to wonder, is there even space for two more defensive ends on the roster? Uh, especially after signing like F.A. Obata and you've got uh, Andre Johnson that is still there. Like what? I, I was like, what? what's going on here? But once again, do we trust Bean? I do. I like to pick um, 6'3", 275 pounds, ran a 4'6 in the 40, uh, 21 career sacks. He got a high motor. Um, he could also kick down to the D tackle spot on passing plays. Um, I actually could see him playing and contributing before Russo. Um, mm-hmm. I went back and looked at his highlights. He played, obviously, Notre Dame fan. We played Wake Forest. He had a sack and about four tackles against us two years ago. Um, I like to pick, and I know people in this, now I'm going to give you a hot take. People probably will disagree with Big Newt about, I'm all about doubling down. Um, I feel like if you have a if you don't have a quarterback, you should draft two quarterbacks in the draft. I love when Washington did that a couple of years ago with RG3 and Kirk Cousins. I yeah. love that. People thought it was crazy. I loved it. We need edge help, so we double down. We got two of them, okay? And one of them, like I said, is versatile to where if he don't work out an end, we could put him in D-tackle, all right? I actually like our depth chart going in um, – Perhaps maybe next year and two years from now, because maybe Vernon Butler's not on the roster anymore. Mario Addison probably won't be on the roster. Jerry Hughes will probably be on a year-to-year contract. So now these young guys, hopefully, are going to move forward. Harrison Phillips, I believe, is going to be an unrestricted free agent after next year. So now, if we let those guys go, we have the stock plentiful with young talent. All right? Starla Tulele, how long will he be with us? So I think it bowls nicely um, uh, for the future of our uh, defensive line. It does, but it also depends on the positions too, because you know we're talking about defensive tackles too, and these guys played defensive end who can kick inside, but they're not going to be the one or the zero technique. So it's it's an interesting decision when it comes to roster construction, and you heard it here first. One of those two guys is going to spend the entire season on the injured list. They're they're gonna they're gonna be the Isaiah Hodgins of this year, where we're not going to see any of them after training camp. They're just they're basically gonna get a red shirted uh, rookie season. I, I just don't see a way around that. Okay. Uh, it used to be something that they did more frequently, but. I mean, there's nine defensive ends on the roster. And obviously this was done with not this, not 2021 in mind, but 2022. Because like you said, there's no way Mario Addison is on the Bills after the season, but he's definitely going to be on the Bills this season because he's got so much guaranteed money. Right. Uh, Jerry Hughes, he was like number one or number two in the NFL in pass rush win rate. You've got to have him. He's been one of your absolute best players on your team year in and year out. Got to keep him. Epinesa, making the team, your second round pick. He was coming around last year. 
You know, that's three. So really it's Johnson that are the you know, the only other players from last year that have a position available. And yeah, I you you may lose Johnson, you may see a trade. It it all depends on how things work out. So then the Buffalo Bills went and drafted tackles consecutively, a position that nobody thought the Bills would be looking at this year, but they ended up drafting two absolutely mountains of offensive tackles. Another sort of interesting thing to do, two defensive ends, then two tackles. You have to wonder because the Bills already have starters. So you're you're looking at Brandon Bean saying that the first through third rounds are premium selections. Yet he drafted at least two players that will not be ready to contribute right away because the tackles that they drafted are considered very athletic, but projects nonetheless. Do you approve of that? I do. Tell me why. I see the vision, my friend. Round three picks uh, uh, number num- uh, 93, Spencer Brown out of northern Iowa. Like you said, he's a mountain of a man, 6'8", 311. He didn't play this year um, because the northern Iowa and the Missouri Valley Conference, they played their season in the spring. So they're wrapping up their season right now. So hmm. all he did was work out and prepare for the draft. And he went to the senior bowl and held his own without having a season. So I like what I see from him. He looks athletic. But once again, uh, he's a project and he looks tenacious on run blocking. So I'll take that. So if you ask me where that fits in on the depth chart, I mean, he's going to probably back up Darrell Williams. And Darrell Williams probably won't be on the roster come next year because of the salary. So I love the pick once again, looking out into the future in 2022. And then in round number five, pick uh, number 161, you got Tommy Doyle out of Miami, Ohio, 6'8", 320. I think they're going to be looking for him to be the swing tackle to back up uh, Deion Dawkins and then Spencer Brown next year. So I love the picks. Once again, preparing for the future. And I want everybody to pump the brakes Spencer Brown is not going to start this year. Darrell Williams will not be sliding inside to guard. That's not happening. These guys are not ready to go yet, but they are athletic specimens. In fact, Spencer Brown had probably the best testing, off-the-field testing, of any tackle in the or offensive lineman in history of the draft. The way he can move his feet is just insane. And I can absolutely see why the Bills would want something like that. Once upon a time, the Bills signed an undrafted free agent who was a tight end in college because he was huge. He was close to 300 pounds and he could move his feet. They took that guy and moved him to tackle. And you're groaning because you know who I'm talking about. And this is one of the trades that hurts you more than anything, right? (laughs) <laughs> just kick just kick me in the gonads now, man. I hate it. You just talking about it makes me sick. Jason Peters, who turned himself into a Hall of Fame left tackle. The Bills took the athletic traits, moved him to tackle, and said, we think you can get this done. And yeah, he did that. Jerk. The guy forcing the Bills to trade him. It's... There's certain guys you could never bring up without making me vomit in my mouth. Jason <laughs> Peters, and I'm talking about recently. 
You got Jason Peters, you got Marshawn Lynch, and now you got your boy up in Cleveland making all pros, and we gave up on him too soon. Yep. Yep, Wyatt Teller. Wyatt Teller, thank you. It it makes me sick, man. Just, oh, God, let's just move on. Okay. (laughs) But I I do think these are good selections if you look at it in, in that same light, though. I do. I think Bobby Johnson's going to get his hands on him once again. Uh, he's going to mold these young guys into starters. With Spencer Brown will be a starter next year. Um, and then Tommy Doyle will be the swing tackle, and they'll be cheap labor, man. I love it. So then the Bills did something that Brandon Bean has not done in his tenure. He traded back from the fifth round. He gave up his fifth round selection in order to get two sixth round picks. Now, personally, I would have maybe said I'll swap my fifth round for your fifth round next year. Cause I want, I want draft picks for next season. Right. But anyway, the bills then ended up drafting a few guys that it actually looks like there is a pathway for them to make the roster, which is, not a common thing at the end of the draft when you're talking about a team that went to the conference championship, but big new, tell us about these guys and the, and especially their positions. All right. In round number six, pick two Oh three, you got Marquez Stevenson, wide receiver out of uh, university of Houston, five, 10, 180 pounds, um, runs a four, four, five, 40. He averaged about uh, 36 yards per return. And I look at him to replace Andre Roberts, who left and went um, took a contract with uh, the Houston Texans. Mm-hmm. I like this pick. He's versatile. Um, I think it's going to be one of those situations where he's going to come in and complete day one for the returning duties. I think that he could be our sixth receiver on game days. Uh, all those are possibilities. If not, he'll be on the practice team. But I think he's going to be – he could perhaps – be Isaiah McKenzie for 2022 yep. because Isaiah McKenzie signed a one-year deal, I believe, right? If I'm That's not mistaken. Correct. And so he might he might not be on a roster come 2022. This would be his replacement, hopefully. I think that's a thought process. The interesting thing about him is that he ran the 40 in 4-4-5. But when you watch him on the field, he looks a lot faster than that. It's almost like his 40 time was slower than his game speed. And in a way, I'm I'm happy that the Bills are looking at the game tape more so than they're looking at the the pro day times. Yeah, I think it goes back to what we talked about the defensive ends. Like this dude, he ran a four four five. I don't care. Cause when you turn on the tape, he does not look like a four four five guy. He looks like a four two four three guy. Yeah, he's he looks like a video game. Yeah, yeah. He's he, he's probably, I could say, look, watching him play, he's faster in pass than he is in shorts and uh, and sneakers on the track. So um, I love the pick. And like I said, hopefully game day, he's our sixth receiver with the punt and kickoff duty. So I have no problem with that pick. I love it. Great. I I would have to say I like it too. And you, you have to think that if he shows strong over the summer – he may make Isaiah McKenzie expendable, and that would that would save some money on the salary cap, which right. which is good. Exactly. Um, who else do we get? 
And then uh, round number six, pick, uh, we had consecutive picks, numbers uh, 212, 213. We got DeMar Hamlin, safety out of pit, 6'1", 200 pounds. He's a 4'6 guy. This is a totally depth uh, pick. Um, if you look at the depth chart right now, I can't see him supplanting uh, any of our safeties, and he's probably even behind uh, Jaquan Johnson. So this is a total depth pick. I see him being on the practice squad. And then probably your favorite pick, okay, just because of the name, <laughs> Rashad Wild Goose, okay? How did you know that was my favorite? Because I seen you and uh, my boy, the Riverfish, who always comments and stuff on Twitter. I seen y'all going back and forth about just drafting this dude because of his name. Absolutely. I wanted either him or the guy who sounds like a Ben and Jerry's flavor, Chubba Hubbard. <laughs> Chubba Hubbard. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, man. So um, a cornerback out of Wisconsin, 5'10", 190, runs a 4-5-40. Um, he's a slot corner, and I think that's, once again, if Teron Johnson leaves in uh, free agency after the season – we have his replacement already in tow. He's very physical. If you know anything about Midwest kids in Wisconsin corners, man, they're going to tackle well and play uh, very physical at the point of attack. So I love the pick, man. And that's That's been the thing that he's really been lauded about is that he will stick his nose in there on running plays. And, you know, that's something that Teron Johnson is very good at too. But Teron Johnson – isn't great in coverage. He always seems like he's a step behind and he's really been picked apart this past season. Lost his job at one point to Cam Lewis right. for eight plays until Lewis got injured. But there is, I, I like these last picks because as we said, there is a path to making the roster for all three of these guys. You've got a safety and the Bills have a need there. You've got a corner and the Bills do need depth at cornerback and uh, you've got a receiver slash return man who could definitely make the bottom of the roster because it's a need of theirs. Now this raises another question though. The bills drafted for the future by using their first four picks on the positions that they did. They're obviously looking to 2022 when you are this close to getting over the hump and making the Super Bowl. Is it okay to be drafting for the future when you have holes on the roster at certain positions, such as cornerback, um, interior offensive line, tight end, perhaps running back? Should you be focusing on those positions or doing what they did? Is that the right way to go? Only the future going to tell that. Only the future going to hold that. I mean... I understand, once again, I understand the trepidation. We could have got a, a corner. We should have traded these picks and moved up. I could see that school of thought too. But I'm thinking in my mind, if you look at the roster, I feel like we're going to be good again. And if we just improve on something eternally, like the continuity of the offensive line, that means we will run the ball better. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. and so, And we talked about all this before. I, I just think that they think, that it's not necessarily bringing in somebody. And also, the, for the people, because Brandon Bean went on um, this morning, um, he went on WGR and talked about it. He was like, he felt 
the uh the stairs and everybody looking at him like, why you ain't taking no corner? He said he felt that through the Zoom calls, you know. <laughs> but you also I realized there's still free agent, there's still free agent corners that might be able to come in and help us out. I don't know. Everyone talks about Richard Sermon. I'm sure we probably can't afford him, but maybe we still will address that. Or we just need to coach up the guys we got. You know, we got we got talent there. Maybe somebody will surprise and they'll step up. But I, I wouldn't necessarily say, oh, I'm blown because we didn't get a tight end. I don't I mean, unless you was gonna move up to number four and take Kyle Pitts, I didn't care about a tight end. Because the guys that was there at 30, I don't think they're better than the guys that we got. Hmm. That's how okay. I looked at it watching the draft. Unless you was gonna move up to number four, then I, I'm fine with it. Yeah, uh, I, I mean there there is a case to be made for that. Um, I really liked Pat Fryermuth going into the draft. He ended up on the Steelers, and he he is such a Steelers style draft pick, isn't he? They yeah, I always see seem to go after the big tight ends. Mm-hmm. Um, but. I, I think that when you are considering roster construction, and that's obviously what was on their mind, they're trying to build a team that is viable into the future. And you see it in every sport, teams that mortgage the future in order to try to you know, be successful right now. And there's there's a lot to be said for that. But it also sets your organization back when you do that. You know, you... Are you okay being worse in two years in favor of winning more this year? And I think a lot of people would say, yes, they are okay with that. But the Bills are going to be in salary cap hell in two years. So they're obviously trying to get players in on rookie contracts at premium positions. Because defensive end and offensive tackle, those guys cost a lot of money. Exactly. Those are not cheap positions, and the Bills are definitely showing a dedication to trying to get players into those spots. Cornerback is expensive. Um, you know, Quarterback is obviously the most expensive, but also the Bills now have two very expensive linebackers. So, I mean, that sort of begs the question, was it smart to sign Tremaine Edmonds to – the or to exercise the fifth year option on Tremaine Edmonds, that remains to be seen, right? Right, we'll see in the future. But I feel like Brandon Bean has a plan. That's all. And so, as long as he he has a plan, I trust in it. But only time will tell and how the salary cap uh, uh, bears out. But this is the position we wanted to be in. I mean, we wanted a franchise quarterback. And so now you're going to have a, t- a guy that's going to be taking up a big chunk of your salary cap, but that's what we wanted. So that's, that's part of it. <sighs> so what are your remaining draft thoughts? All right, let's talk about, don't forget Jack um, Anderson, man, the offensive guard from Texas tech taking in the seventh round, the last pick, Number 236, Uh, 6'5", 315 pounds, once again, a mountain of a man. I think he's going to transition to center. You think so? Yeah. And so now if he he could uh, prove his chops to center, then maybe that would mean that we don't need Mitch Morris anymore. You know what I'm saying? So that's the backup plan for that. I love the pick, and hopefully he can make that transition seamless and, and, uh, once again, cheap labor. 
Did you see that picture of him with the mustache? No, I don't think I did. Oh my God. So people with blonde facial hair probably shouldn't grow mustaches to begin with uh, because it doesn't look real. Oh God, I, I don't know. It, it, there's not a lot of definition of it, but his the two sides of his mustaches are really far apart, and it looks like two caterpillars crawling toward each other. I showed my wife, and she's like, "What the hell is wrong with that guy?" It was, <laughs> he looks ridiculous. Um, also, the uh, oh, the second tackle that the Bills drafted. Uh, what's his name? Tommy Doyle. Tommy Doyle. Did you see him jump through the uh, the folding table after getting picked by the Bills? Was it that that was Spencer Brown? Wasn't it? Oh, was that Spencer Brown? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, that was Spencer Did- Brown. He he tweeted it after. Yeah, that was awesome, man. You know, Bills Mafia gonna love that. They are absolutely gonna. I'm sure the coaching staff hates that, but for the rest of us, oh hell yeah! This this guy knows what's up. For the fans, you got to love it, man. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, let's not forget, because obviously everybody's talking about it right now, but an undrafted free agent signing, Bill signing Warren G's son. Regulators, mount up. (laughs) You don't see what he see. (laughs) Elijah Griffin from USC, cornerback. Um, had a very productive career at USC, and uh, like you mentioned, he's w- rapper Warren G of uh, Regulator fame, rapper from uh, the West Coast. That is his son. So we picked him up, undrafted free agent. Uh, we also picked up uh, Cyrus Tuatel, from offensive tackle from Fresno State. Yep. Ty- Tariq Thompson, safety from San Diego State. Trey Walker, wide receiver from San Jose State. Uh, Quentin Morris, a tight end from Bowling Green, and my boy, Nick McLeod, cornerback, Notre Dame. Speed on top of speed, man. He was our top corner. He only played one year in Notre Dame because he transferred in um, from NC State, helped lead us to the playoffs this year. Very good corner. I'm rooting for him to make the roster. I think we can use his speed at uh, the cornerback position. So shout out to all the uh, undrafted free agents. And if you notice the theme of the schools I said, did you notice the theme there? Big 10. No, not Big 10. All of them are from the West Coast. They're all West Coast schools except for Bowling Green. You got Fresno State, San Jose State, San Diego State, and USC. So oh, man, I was throwing everybody out but Notre Dame and Bowling Green, everybody's from the West Coast. So maybe it was some kind of West Coast theme there. I don't know. And uh, Bowling Green, you also had uh, Miami of Ohio. You had a couple of a couple of Midwestern boys in there. That is um, true. But they must, Bills must really be trusting their West Coast scout these days. I think so. Um, and they all they all have an opportunity to make the team. That's a good thing. It that, is. That's a really good thing. And I I love your boy from uh from Notre Dame that they picked up because there's a couple things that I want the the Bills to have in their secondary. It's more speed, more size, and ball skills. Because I, I think they kind of need to improve in all those areas. That guy's speed, yes. Every day of the week, that's what I want back there. 
<laughs> and twice on Sunday, right? Well, sure, twice on Sunday. Sunday's a special day. It is. <laughs> it's the Lord's Day. I got a question. Yeah. All right, let's go back to what you said about mortgage the future and uh and your roster the roster uh construct. This week, right before the draft, Aaron Rodgers it broke news that he's very displeased with the Green Bay Packers. Yep. I got a question for you. Usually you're the one with the hot takes. Now my takes are burning today. I was discussing with my friends. All right. A lot of them don't have a Josh Allen on the team. But let's play devil's advocate here. What if the sports gods, because you know I love my sports gods, right? If the sports gods came to you and said, Jamie, you get Aaron Rodgers, you're going to win the Super Bowl in 2022. Okay? Okay. Guaranteed Super Bowl win. Or you stick with Josh Allen and run the course, and hopefully we win the Super Bowl the next 10 years. But you got to give up the next three drafts, first and second round picks. Ooh. (laughs) I hit you. And this is something, hey, listeners, while he pondered this, I have to tell you, we didn't talk about this in our production meeting. I'm coming with this off the cuff. So his trepidation is live and in color. You're <laughs> hearing it, okay? I did not bring this up. We did not talk about this. So he really got to chew on this for a second. So would you trade, okay, for Aaron Rodgers, even though Josh Allen is the best you could get as a young quarterback, for a guaranteed Super Bowl next season and mortgage essentially the next 10 years of your future because you're giving up first and second round picks the next three years. So you're mortgaging probably the next 10 years of your future for a well, guaranteed Super Bowl this year. Here's the thing. The Rams have been successful despite not having high draft picks for going on like five years now. Okay. So I think that it's possible to be successful if you are really smart with your salary cap. I think if I were to be guaranteed a Super Bowl, I would take the Aaron Rodgers because even though Josh Allen is going to keep the team is going to keep the team competitive for the next decade, it's not a guarantee. There right. will be uh, over the next decade there will be ups and downs. Just because the Bills got to the AFC Championship this year doesn't mean that they're not going to fall back to the pack a little bit this upcoming season with a more difficult schedule. You see that happen with teams all the time. So right. They, they move, they take a step forward, they take a step back. It's the nature of the beast. After so the without seat. any guarantees, I'm taking the surefire Hall of Fame quarterback and a Super Bowl this upcoming season. Okay. And I'm with you 100%. I know a lot of people are going to be like, oh, no, you all just still hate Josh Allen. No, I love Josh Allen. But I'm looking at this as an almost 50-year-old man. I'm 47, be 48 this year. I want a Super Bowl. So So let's put this in perspective of how I look at it. Outside of pretty much giving up my family and maybe my parents, I'm pretty much willing to do anything for a Super Bowl. 
Like, if you said, well, Newt, you can't talk to JBD ever again in your friendship, I'm like, Jamie, have a good life. Okay? <laughs> and I love you, you would <laughs> You would do that for far less than a Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know what you mean to me, man. I love you and your family, but if it was, if it's not talking to you again for a Super Bowl, I'm doing it. So don't look at this as, oh, you all just hate Josh Allen. No, it's I want to win a Super Bowl. And if you guarantee me a Super Bowl, then I'm willing to almost do anything. So I will look at it like sacrifice the next 10 years, even if Brandon Bean sticks around and sucks as a GM, and we just go in the doldrums of the NFL again, back to where we were, okay? then that's not my problem. That's Simone and Jalen's problem. They're going to have to pick up the mantle and carry that bird now. I want my Super Bowl before I die. So I would <laughs> I would do it. I would give you more than that. I want a Super Bowl this year. Just yeah. fun to think about. That's all. Well, you know, it's, it's like Kyle Shanahan said, I don't even know if Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be alive on Sunday. <laughs> one of the stupidest things I've ever heard a coach say. <laughs> That's one of those things where he was just in front of a mic so much he didn't even know what to say at that point. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I'm glad he addressed that and said, "Yeah," and said that was stupid. I'm sorry. I, um, because if you were Jimmy Garoppolo, how would you feel? <laughs> what Knowing you that about- your replacement is being picked, exactly. That can't be an easy thing, man. I think a lot of these guys, they're taking it to heart more. And 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 and, and once again, going back to Aaron Rod, and going once again, I want to say I don't want to turn off any of our listeners. We love Josh Allen, what he's doing. We're totally happy. We're just, you know, we're just playing around and 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 uh, and uh, thinking about things that could happen. But uh, we're totally happy with Josh Allen. Love his performance. Win trader for anything in the world. But uh, what did you? What else? What are some of the other things you thought about the draft? Other picks? Anything caught your eye? Few things did catch my eye. I, I feel like the other teams in the AFC East had incredible drafts. Like yeah. I, I looked at Miami's and I said, "Oh my god, they've got like five new starters coming out of this draft." Uh, now they 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 picked a good tight end who could probably start for most teams, but they have Gasicki, but he's go- going to be a starter level. The Patriots able to get a quarterback despite not moving up in the draft was a, a great move on their part, and I really like what the Jets did in uh, with a lot of their selections. They picked up some very good players. I also thought that the Browns. The Browns are going to be a problem this year. Mm-hmm. They picking up uh, Newsom, the cornerback, and uh, JOK, the undersized linebacker out of Notre Dame. Those mm-hmm. are a couple of really good players on defense. And I mean, I, I think the thing that bothers me a little bit about the Bills draft is that you see other teams definitely took a step forward by bringing in some talent that can. Uh, that can contribute immediately. And I don't see how the bills made themselves substantially better in 2021 based on the draft. I, no, I, I, I would, I agree with that because these guys aren't going to come in and help us. And I agree the rest of our division got better. When Jeremiah Wilson was there, Cleveland almost tore ACL running to the podium to get that pick in. I, I can't for the life of me understand why he fell so hard. 
uh, draft pundits had him as a top 15 pick, Buckets Award winner, uh, very versatile, made a lot of big plays in Notre Dame, and he fell to the second round. I, I don't understand. It has to be something else there. I, maybe he didn't interview well. I don't know. It had to be something else there because his production on the field definitely warranted him being a first-round pick, in my opinion. But we'll see how it plays out. But I do agree. A lot of teams got better. Uh, we stood pat, but we stood pat on a 13-3 team. Um, the NFL schedule comes out in a couple of weeks, and we're going to be all over that. We're, I'm sure Jamie D and Big News Show will do the pick-ems. Uh, once we see how the schedule plays out, how it flows, uh, what games are where, what games will be nationally televised also. Um, but just going off of what I think right now, I would probably say instead of 13 and 3, 11 and 5, 12 and 4 perhaps, without, you know, seeing how the schedule falls. I I think that's probably safe to assume that the Bills will fall back uh, a little bit. You know, it's just kind of the nature of the beast. When you play a first place schedule, you you're playing better teams. Right. So there's going to be a little bit more challenge along the way, and that's that's okay because you don't need to win 13 games to get to the Super Bowl. You just need to get into the playoffs, and you have a chance. Exactly. And hopefully uh, we'll fill the stadium up in Buffalo and enjoy the last season as we cheer on our Bills, Bills Mafia this season. So Beautiful. Beautiful. So we will be coming back in a couple of weeks, and we're going to be discussing a variety of items that are both draft, free agency related, and also speaking about roster construction, the importance of it, and what we perceive as being the strategy behind what the Bills are doing and where Brandon Bean's head is. But in the end, we agree with each other that Bean has earned the benefit of the doubt when he's making draft picks that cause you to say, hmm, because, man, Bill's front office has done some good stuff over the past few years. Anyway, do you have a song for us, buddy? Bill's Mafia! Mount up. Hey, hey, hey!